There we go. You know a dream is like a river, ever changing as it flows. And a dream is just a vessel that must follow where it goes. Trying to learn from what's behind and never knowing what's in store makes each day a constant battle just to stay between the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I am Maxwell Ivy, known around the world as the blind blogger. And this is another episode of What's Your Excuse? where I'm going to help you overcome your excuses by bringing you conversations with people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances or have struck out on their own and started an unusual new business or who have real world, real life tested advice to help you take those small steps and make progress in your own lives. And occasionally I'll have somebody on just because they interest or inspire me personally. Uh, you can find the podcast at theblindblogger.net or on the podcast network now at wyexcuse.com. And as always, you can say Alexa or Google, just play What's Your Excuse? Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors, Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. As my friend over there likes to tell people, when they started, they couldn't afford the E. But at Blueberry.com, if you're planning on starting a podcast, it's a great place to get off to a good start. They, they, were, they provide financial and technical support to me for this podcast, for Shredding for Gold, and for the Y Network. So please do check them out, Blueberry.com or Blueberry, depending on, depending on whether you say it yourself or ask a screen reader. Okay, so today I have another great guest with me. Her name is Charlene Norman. I think I get the last name right. Uh, and I like the way she sent me her story. She said, it's like everybody else. Things go along really good for a while, and then something really bad, messy happens, and then it gets good again. So uh, the thing going really well is she was uh, in, she, she worked with top businesses, corporations around the world for 30 years. Uh, she helped them navigate difficult, ever-changing uh, environments, and she helped them be much more successful than they were when she met them. So that's what she did. And then about 2005, she was uh, affected by streptococcal meningitis, was in a coma for a week, uh, found herself in a position where she was no longer able to support herself or her family. And as she says, was no longer the queen of her hill, which I love that expression. And uh, after a while, which we're going to find out how, uh, she decided to uh, to use all those skills she had and help people and their businesses in a whole different way now. So she likes to say that she is the empathy chief empathy officer at bulletproofyourbusinessnow.com. She says there uh, are three things she wants to teach us today. One is that business is not as complicated or as hard as we think it is. Two, that uh, making them, uh, making money and making an impact are one of the same thing. And three, anything in life, anything in business, success starts with people. So Charlene, thank you so much. And welcome to What's Your Excuse? Thank you so much, Maxwell. What a, what a, I have never heard anyone sing 
with 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 opening take right right off the front. I mean, wow, that was incredible. <laughs> well, I appreciate the compliment. I am going to take it. I've been singing that song since Garth released it in 1993, and it's become my theme song. And uh, my sincere hope is that at some point he's either going to acknowledge me or sue me, and then I'll be famous. So I, I really am, I, I have had a great time talking to you. You are a very uh, delightful woman. You have a, a great sense of humor because you've laughed at a lot of things I've said. So I'm looking forward to a great conversation. And uh, and like, like I said before, I will uh, give you a chance to talk a little bit more about uh, what happened to you and how it affected you. But it seems to me that the the what you went through what a lot of people are going through now, through no fault of your own, at a time in your life when everything was going great, just all of a sudden, here comes this big old cliff that you fell off of without even knowing it was coming. And after a while, you had to pretty much start all over again. So all I want to know is, how do you do something like that? Where does that come from? Wow. Uh, where does that come from? There's something we all have deep inside of us. Um, whether you want to say that it's in your gut your soul, your heart, uh, your essence, your being. But there is something that all of us humans have, and that's the desire to live. That's the desire to keep on going. Now, we can all get caught up in all kinds of whining, whining stories. We can all get caught up in pity parties. Pity parties, and man, I've been really good at that, I will say. But where do you find the strength? The strength comes from inside of you. And, and I say that, I say that because lots of folks, um, they're looking for um, a, a hand. They want to hold on to that hand, and they want someone to be prodding and pushing them. But and, and, and sometimes that works, but most times it doesn't work. What works is you, one day, you just look at yourself in the mirror or you say to yourself, I want to go forward. I want to, I want to be better than what I am right now. Um, so, so it's all internally driven, if you will. Um, how we get there is, is completely different. Everyone has a, a different way of doing it. And what I, what I want to say before I go into uh, all this stuff, you know what? Life happens. Garbage happens. Horrible stuff happens to every single one of us because we're all going to the same place eventually. And, and it doesn't matter. Maybe it happens when you're 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and your 80s. It doesn't matter. At some point, every one of us is going to be dropped, felled to our knees. And the unfortunate um, piece is we're not going to be prepared for it. We're never prepared when we lose our job. We're never prepared when our spouse says it's time for a divorce. We're never prepared when um, we're given uh, some kind of awful news about our health. We're never prepared when somebody near and dear to us dies. Yet all those things are normal. But here's the interesting thing. You know, we all, every, every country um, talks about the education system, but the education system never once provides lessons on how to handle when life gets in your way, when life just comes roaring across to you. And, and that's what I, that's what I want to talk about today. Um, 
because I believe that nothing happens to us. Everything happens for us. In other words, when we have to go through garbage, whether it's in your case, uh, being blind, whether it's my case, having an awful illness come out of nowhere, whether it's in other people's cases, they had to go bankrupt or they got a divorce or whatever, or they lost their job. All that does actually at the end of the day is it makes us stronger and more resilient. And we realize just how amazingly strong the human race really is. So um, that's my, that's my starting point. Um, Okay. Does that make sense? Well, that kind of makes sense, but it, but it leads me to, to ask this question, which is, what is it in some people to where you see people that are born into horrible situations that succeed, and you see people that are born into wonderful uh, environments, and they fail? I mean, where is that switch? Because there are people who went through the mortgage loan crisis in 2008, for example, who a few years later they are working in a different job. They've started their own business and they're planning to buy another home. And there are other people who went through that crisis. They're homeless because they just can't let go of what happened to them and move on. What is, is, is where, where does that all come in? You know, I, I call that mental toughness. Um, and, and I'm not a psychologist and I don't play one and I've never studied psychology to any great extent, but I call that mental toughness. And there are some people that they are just mentally tough. And sure, everyone, and then there are other people that are just not so tough. And, and I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a, a, an example. Um, I, I'm going to go off topic right now. When my mom was well, 60. We, we, do all, we, we do off topic on this show all the time, so don't worry about it. Okay, good. So when my mom was 60, um, my mom decided um, she had enough with life and she was going to end her life. Um, unfortunately, um, she was unsuccessful in her attempt. Um, I would have to say that compared to my mother, I am one very tough nut. My mother was not quite as tough. So I, part of the process of getting someone who's attempted suicide back on track is to find that nut that's inside of them to turn that switch on or to find that switch that they say, okay, I'm now moving forward. So I, I just, I, I just say, one of the things with my mother that I learned, and it, it just happened to be my mother, it could be lots of people who are not as mentally tough. What they need is to know that someone's in their corner supporting them. They're not going to help them, and most of us are not qualified to help. But they will support them. They'll stand beside them. They will go there wherever they need to go. That helps people who don't have a natural mental toughness to take that first step to say, okay, I can make that step by myself. Um, whereas the, the, those of us that are what we consider to be mentally tough say, well, screw that. This is not going to get me down. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to take advantage. And yeah, I'm going to be swearing and complaining and having a pity party, but I'm strong enough. I can handle it. And I, and I just say that I have noticed in my life, there's basically two types of people. One is that need a little bit of a hand I don't know, a hand up, I guess, or a hand out to get them propelled into the first step. And those of us that kind of say, okay, I'm moving it. Just give me whatever it is I need to go. I can tell you when you give people who want to be helped, that's the thing. They want to be helped. When you give them that little step up, 
man, oh man, do they ever do amazingly well. So when you talk about the, the folks who were unable to manage the financial crisis, I am going to say, um, I think they let the shame, I think they let their fears, I think they let all their negative emotions stick with them. And there was nobody around to say, here, take my hand, I'll show you how to get out of this. That's the simplest way that I can I can look at to say, there are people who are born with a wonderful silver spoon and they sure are very strong. And there's other people who are born with nothing and man, they are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So um, when people ask me where it comes from for me, I, I tell them it uh, was, you know, the parents, grandparents and being raised in an industry where uh, you have to be resilient because the whole goal during the course of a season is to get open week to week. And so generally there, there wasn't a lot of time for, for feeling sorry for yourself and my family. So where do you think your resilience comes from? Is there a specific person or event or training maybe that you went through during your lifetime that uh, allowed you to be that kind of a person when you needed to be? Um. I, I was born a bossy girl. I was, I was, I've always been a bossy little thing forever and a day. And so I always knew that, well, this is the way it's going to be. And everybody, come on, just follow me. And we're off. And so I was, I was always the leader. Uh, <laughs> so um, much to my father's uh, shock, but, but anyways, um, I, I was kind of born with a, with an obstinate streak, if you will. Um I didn't really understand resilience. I didn't really understand um, being strong. I just knew that, hey, I got these great ideas and they're going to work and fun come with me and we're going to make it, we're going to make it happen. It wasn't until I got into uh, my career and the one thing I do do is I study people. I have always studied people um, and it's second nature for me. So I can very quickly pick up what works for them, why and what's not working and so that I can avoid all that stuff. And during the course of my career, um, I got into some really wonderful positions that women, young women, don't normally get. And so by the time I was 30, I was sitting at a boardroom table. I was um, the executive assistant to the president. By the time I was 35, I had so much experience uh, behind me what I needed was the depth of wisdom that comes when you start to age. But what I did was I started really paying attention to what worked and why it worked. And so I didn't have any, um, I didn't have a format in my head. I just knew from watching and doing these things work, these things work. So when I woke up in the hospital and uh, my husband said, well, you've had a stroke and I'm going to go get the doctor now and tell me you woke up. The first thing that happened was uh, the word no was screaming in my head. So why is that important? Well, when I was 20, I had a vision in my head of what I wanted to do by the time I was 30. I got there by 27, but it didn't matter. I had a picture in my head of what I wanted to have happen. And I just kept that picture. 
every single time in my life when I wanted certain things to happen, I set the intention and I had a picture in my head and I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get there. So when I'm in the lying in the hospital, I'm going, there's no way I'm not a doctor. I don't know what is involved when I had no idea what was the matter with me, but I just said, no, I'm not going to be um, dependent on my husband. I'm not going to fall from the perch of being the main breadwinner. I am fine. And if anyone dares to tell me that I'm not fine, I'm just going to spit in their face. So (laughs) I equate that back to in business, whether you are launching a product, whether you are buying a business or selling a business, whether you're firing someone, whether you're starting a new project, there's a piece where you have to say, am I going to go or am I not going to go? And if you're going to go, if you say yes, you are 100% in. No halfway measures. You are full in. So when I was lying in the hospital bed, I just said, nope. I am going to prove to everybody that I have everything intact. There is nothing wrong with me. And I will be back. I had no time frame. But I knew I was going to be better than I ever was. Now, to be honest... Was that the smartest thing? Probably not, because I had no idea what that messy middle was. I had no idea what the rehab was. But I started with a vision of, I am going to get there. I'm going to do this. I am healthy. So the second thing um, that I I have seen work time and time again, and and I have done this my entire life, and I did this when I was in the hospital, was, was... there's a, you have to collect your energy. And the best way that I have ever been able to collect my energy is to say, oh, my God, am I ever lucky? Which is the old-fashioned way of the new term these days of expressing a crap ton of gratitude for everything. So <laughs> the first day, my husband's telling me the bad news. I'm going, no. The second day, I had a pity party. I cried my eyes out. I was so sad. Um and then I realized, well, that's just wasting time because you got to get on with this. This is put your, put your big girl pants on and start the process. So the process was I was lying in the hospital bed and, and I was in a ward and it was um, everyone had, had something horrible happen to them. And I started listening and there were people who couldn't talk because their tongues were, um, they seemed to be glued on the top of their mouths. There were people that couldn't go to the bathroom themselves and they had to wait and have Nurses come, and in those days, they were actually nurses that we didn't have COVID, so there was a little bit of help there. Um, there were people who couldn't eat properly. There were people who couldn't dress. There were people who couldn't even talk properly. And I lay there, and I was listening. I didn't see anything, but I was listening, and I'm thinking, crap. I can sit up. I can hold the wall when I'm walking, because the wall needed holding up, So I, but I could walk to the bathroom. Um, I could string some thoughts together and it didn't matter that the thoughts weren't completely in straight lines and I could smile and tell really weird strange jokes and I could laugh so well if you can if you can smile and you can talk the rest of it's a bonus I mean uh well believe me if anyone I'm sure I'm sure you had a lot of a lot of difficult rehab to go through, but I but I get the point that you were in a room where everybody else was worse off than you were. Exactly. And that was amazing. 
And it's amazing for all of us when we look at our lives and we see this is really bad and our, and our, our world is stuck glued to the front of our faces. It's a really good idea to say, well, wait a minute, there's other people in the world who's got it worse than me. Because there are people that always have it worse than you. And when you realize just how great you have, and all of a sudden you've got the energy and you're grateful. And that's when you can start taking those steps forward. And so the first step that I took was to go play Miss Sunshine and go visit all the people in the hospital ward and just go around and smile and tell jokes. And and it, it, it was the first step. It's a crazy step. It's a little step. But I got out of my own head and I said, I'm not important. Everyone else is. I'm going to go make their lives better. No, That's how you bring crazy gratitude step. in your life. No, it was not a crazy step. It was the ideal right first step. And it re- reminds me of, of something my dad said to me many times over the years. He was from the upstate part of South Carolina and grew up in a poor family. And he used to always say when things got bad, he'd say, well, Max, I used to think it was bad because I didn't have shoes. And then we had a kid come to school that didn't have feet. Yep. You know? That's exactly so, it. Yeah, so you 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 tapped into gratitude, which something I've noticed with a lot of people is they do, when they do things without thinking about it or without caring what the name is, it always seems to work so much better. So you you obviously weren't thinking of it as gratitude at, at exercise; you were just doing that because it made you feel better at the time. Am I correct? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Because here's the thing: I mean, and you asked me what 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 how do you get someone to make those first few steps. You've got to find something that they like to do. You've got to find something that brings meaning to them. You've got to show them a door that's important to them. It's not important to you. It's what's important to them. So if you're offering a hand out to someone, think in terms of them. For me, it was for my entire life. Whenever anything got me down, whenever anything really annoyed me, when I thought that the end had come, it was always, okay, go reach out and go help someone else. And what that does is it clears your head. It refocuses your, your brain. It refocuses you. And you can go back to problem with a fresh eyes and a, and a whole better perspective, if you will. And I saw that happen in work. I saw that happen in successful business. And that's how I ran through my life so you're right I did not think in terms of gratitude it was I'm really lucky I can help other people you know I I give I give a talk uh, every so often on what what people tell me is called interdependence because again I didn't know there was a name for it and the one thing I like to leave people with is that when you refuse to ask for help, you rob them of the joy they would have received from helping you. And then to hear somebody like you talk about how there were all these times during your life, both business and personally, where it made you feel better and allowed you to go back to your work and be more productive because you were helpful to somebody. And that really just affirms what I've been trying to tell people for 10 years now. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I've been accused of being a silly girl. I've been accused of being very old fashioned. I've been accused of not uh, of putting people first, which I do, and forget forgetting everything else, which I don't. 
what I do believe is when we make other people feel better for whatever's going on in their life at that moment, we're also making ourselves better and we're also making the world a little bit better. And I'm sorry, that's just a ripple effect that just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and spreading more and more. And why do you want to stop such goodness? I, it, it, you can be a kind person and a smart, driven person all in the same package. <laughs> yes, that is one of the big problems. Um, people feel like they either ha- they have to be either or that they can't be both. If they're if they're too sensitive, people will take advantage of them. If they're too cold, then they lose their humanity. It's uh, it's one of those things that. It just seems like uh, I think they would call it a false dilemma. Um, so, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking with Charlene Norman. She is the chief empathy officer at uh, bulletproofyourbusinessnow.com. And she has gone from helping uh, major corporations around the world grow and, and be more successful. And now she's, she's helping smaller businesses and possibly even some individuals we're going to talk to her more. I do hope y'all will check out her website at uh, bulletproofyourbusinessnow.com. So uh, the one, one of the things that stuck out for me in your profile that I've been wanting to ask you about, and and I think maybe I've, I've started to understand your take on it is you say that business is not as complicated as we think it is. No. It's not. Business is serving others. Full stop. If you're going to serve others, what's the best thing you can do for them? We, what, what I see, what I'm over 45, so I've been around the block a little bit. Um, Technology has been wonderful, but technology has really stunted our ability to um, get along with people, uh, foster relationships, and get to the core of what somebody is really looking for. Business is nothing more than exchanging energy. And it's serving others. It's not serving yourself you, you will get whatever you want. You can have everything you want. Maybe not in the time frame you want, but you can have everything you want. You don't need to do a hundred different things to be successful. You only need to do five. And the really important thing is to zero in on the five that are going to do it. And what's happened is, I don't care, big business, small business, entrepreneurs, freelancers, gigs, they all get caught up and oh my god, I gotta have a website and I gotta have a this and we gotta be on social media and I gotta da, 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 da. and there's this big to-do list that they take on and they say, Well, I've gotta do all this. Well, no. No, you gotta serve your customers. And first off, if you don't know who your customers are, then figure out who your customers are and figure out what their pain points are and speak to them. What do they want? And then if you have it in you and it's within your framework, try to deliver it for them because you're gonna find out what they really want. And that's when you can really open up your arms and say, well, you know, I can do this and I can do this and maybe we can do this together. And they're going to go, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. And that's how you get a customer for life. But this whole business about, 
well, I've, I've got to do another ad campaign and I've got to do another funnel and, and, and our, our, our social media, is it working? And is this doing this? And it's craziness. It's, it's just sheer stupidity. We're talking about people. And the thing is, is people haven't changed in the last 2000 years. Technology has changed and changed and changed in the last 20 years, in the last two hours. But people don't go as fast as technology. People are still the same decent, generous, hardworking people if you give them a chance. I'm just going to let that soak in with y'all a little bit. Um, so it's, I think it's interesting. You know, you, you talk about people, they get, they're basically overwhelming themselves with things they feel like they need to be doing, whether they need to do them or not. Um, and one of the people I've really, one of the things I've learned from, uh, I learned it from Louise Hay, and she likes to say that two of the worst or most dangerous expressions in the English language are should and should not. Yep. And I've noticed that one of the best things I can do for my own business is to think about things that I'm doing on a regular basis and go, is this really serving Max or is this something I'm doing because everybody else does it that way? That is brilliant. And and that's part of the message that I, I talk about until I'm blue in the face is, do you really want to do it? Is it important to your business? And if you think you should, why, why? I mean, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, for instance. Um, okay. So one of the biggest things right now is this, this big thing called the great resignation, right? Okay, so what yes. is it? It's, it's people leaving their jobs. And why are people leaving their jobs? Well, people don't leave jobs. People have never left jobs. People leave their bosses, which means there's a lot of bad bosses in the world. Why are there <laughs> bad bosses in the world? Because they've not been trained and shown a good way. What's happened is the reason why we have a lot of bad bosses in the world is we've got holdovers who've been trained by holdovers from the industrial age. But we're in the information age, which is everyone is entitled to respect. Everyone is entitled to doing what they love to do. And you don't shoehorn people. And yes, it's a lot of work managing people properly and i know that engagement empowerment just doesn't work for some people because it's a whole new language but the fact is you're dealing with people and how do you want to be treated not how have you been treated and it's the only way you know how do you want to be treated and if you treat people like people because when you have a team whether it's a team of your in your own business, whether it's a team of clients, a team of suppliers, I don't care what kind of team you have. You're in the people business. You're not in the functional business. You're not in no longer worried about what you trained for, what you studied for, and you were a great plumber or a great accountant or a great lawyer. Now you're in the business of leading and growing people because people will lead and grow your business. It's a completely different mindset. And all you have to do is ask the person in the mirror, how would you like to be treated? I can guarantee you, not one of us is going to say, yeah, I want to be yelled at five times a day. I want to be um, um, made to feel tiny and small. I want to, I want to make minimum wage. Yeah, you really do, don't you? 
Everybody wants to feel like they're worthy. And the hardest part for all of us is to say, I'm not worthy, er, you're just as worthy as me. So I will give you respect. Uh, you can say that I'm absolutely crazy to have that kind of a reputation, kind of an outlook on life. But my outlook always has always been it's people first, profit second. Doesn't mean I say you don't make money. You do make money. But when you put people first, I can guarantee you because I've got the results to prove it, your profits will double and triple. Why is that? Because all of a sudden you've got really happy people that want to do their absolute best for you. That's all. It comes down again, old fashioned values, treat people exactly the way you want to be treated, not the way you have been treated, how you would like it to be. It's a change, yes, but watch what happens to your bottom line. That is so true because every good uh, HR person knows that it's cheaper to keep the folks you have than it is to constantly have to recruit and train new people, at least in the, at least in the bottom two-thirds of any, of any large-scale business. So really, by, tr by treating those people, especially the ones on the lower rungs, better, you don't have to spend all that time, money, and effort continually replacing those people. No, and, the, and, and I'll, I'll just give you a really, really quick example. Um, I walked into an organization, it had 33% churn. So that means one third of your employees are leaving every single year. That's a lot. That's really a lot. Inside of a year, that 33% had fallen to less than two. Imagine the stability. Imagine the hidden costs that all of a sudden disappeared. Imagine the increase in productivity or efficiency or whatever. We got it all, every last bit of it. And all it took was, and I make it sound easy, and believe me, it was not necessarily easy for everyone. Um, all it took was a shift in looking at people instead of the treating people as assets, your people are your equity. So if they're your equity, you're going to treat them a whole lot differently than you are going to treat them if they're assets. And here's the other thing. The HR function typically, I have to be careful about this because there are some HR functions that have improved over the years, but typically the HR function is not the place where employees go to be inspired employees are inspired by their bosses. So you want to start with your bosses. You want to give all the bosses latitude. Sure, you give them a, the, the scope or the lane to play in, but you give bosses the latitude. And the thing is, is what I've noticed, there's a whole pile of people in this world that have never had the latitude. And so they play small, they play scared, they play fearful. And if you can get rid of Reduce that down to almost nothing and, or get rid of it, your business flourishes. You, you, you literally have to stand the hell out of the way and just say, oh, my God, I never expected this. Okay. All right. I want to uh, see if you can apply that for me then to say the, the sole entrepreneur, the, the creative entrepreneur, somebody who may not have any employees or may have 
interns or volunteers or may have, you know, between that five and 50 employee group, how does this approach work for them? What you're does talking about, well, what you're talking about is basically economies of scale, because if you're an operation of one or up to its end, uh, you don't have uh, a, typically a lot of wiggle room in terms of margin for making all these kinds of things, right? Okay. So okay. if you're a if you're a party of one, the first question I always ask is, what do you love to do? What do you love to do? Do more of that. What do you hate to do? What drives you up a freaking wall because it does not utilize the best of you? Don't do it. Find a different way. I believe, I don't care whether you work for yourself or you work for a big company, at least 60% of your day should be spent on things you love to do. And there are ways of making it work so that it is more in line with your personality. So that's number one. Number two, uh, let's look at the people who have uh, teams of between one and 10 people. How honest are you with your teams to say, I don't know, I don't have the answer. What do you think, guys, we should do to solve this problem? That is the easiest way to get people to buy into what you want to do. Be human and admit you don't know. Now, there are other things you have to do, which is listen. Here's the really important thing. You have to listen to the people and you have to be prepared to take some of those ideas and work on them. You don't just bring them in and they say, thanks, guys, yeah. And, and not do anything, but you ask people, what do you think? Third thing you can do is, and this one is, is one of my favorites, um, go form some kind of a, either a loose association or a more formal association with folks who have talents that you need that are different than yours. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people say, oh, my God, i got to take all this in and i got to do it myself and i got to hire the right people and they're going to do it for me and blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I hate tech. Tech is not my thing. It never has been my thing. But I love people. I love money. So I have a tech partner. When I run into problems, I run to her. I can't afford to pay her rates, let me tell you. When she has an issue on how to make money, guess where she goes? She goes to me. And if, as we're moving along together, as we, as we, if we see opportunities that both of us can work on together, we do it. So what we have are three successful businesses, hers, mine, and ours. And I have noticed a lot of businesses are very reluctant because, oh my God, I've got stuff and people are going to take my ideas and they're going to screw me and they're going to do this and that. So yeah, you do have to vet the other person. You do, you do have to find the traits and the values in the other person that you share. It's not, I'm not saying it's super easy, but it is something that you can try and tap into. So there's, there's three ideas okay. for three different groups. Right. I, I love this last one simply because there are so many, quote, experts out there who are telling people that what you just suggested is absolute worst thing you can do as a business owner. 
Uh, I have run into way too many people who are like, Max, you mean you actually have 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 traded services with other people? And I'm like, yeah, I do it whenever it works for both of us. It's a pretty common thing for me. It's how, it's it's how you do things when you have more when you have more you have more hustle and effort than you got cash or credit. You know, uh, so I love that somebody as successful as you that's done it in multiple levels of business is like, yeah, when it works, when when you uh, have similar traits in common so that you can you can have trust in another person, then it's not only okay, it's it's desired. So I really thank you a lot for sharing that. Well, listen, that, that was something that I learned in corporate. I've done, my background is, is, is a little bit different than everyone else's. So in my background, I got 60 acquisitions, 10 dispositions, blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. One thing that I did learn about building up your business and then this was with an international company, was, okay, we don't know the other country. We don't know the language. We don't know the people. What we'll do is we'll do a joint venture. So both companies come together, split 50% or whatever percentage works, and they made a go of it. And I thought, well, that was really clever. Why don't we do that with individuals? So when I went out on my own, that's what I started doing, was saying, I, I can go high as one person, but I can go farther with a bunch of other people. So how do I make it work for all of us? And what you do is you, you find people that have the same values as you do. The values thing is always, always, always key. And then you look for opportunities. You can start by sharing services. That's always a, a, a great place to begin. But don't stop there. You can create new ventures, new businesses with the right people that you bring into your life. Yes. 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 So then you, with knowing that you have these people that you trust and can depend on, you may be able to compete for business that you wouldn't have even thought about approaching without these people you have these relationships with. That is exactly it. And, and I'll, I'll give you a great example of that. Um, Kim, my tech partner, and I, we are actually, we are presenting and we have a client, neither one of, we're presenting to a group and we have a client that neither one of us could have gotten alone. Not, could not, could not. We have got this together. What does that mean? Okay, I had to open up my books and say, well, this is how much money I'm expecting out of these accounts. This is how much value I give. I had to share all my secrets. She did the exact same thing with me so that going in, we're completely, we've got one another's backs. We understand where the other person's coming from. We're happy of when we're going to split money. We're happy with where we're going to, okay, we'll do this effort or spend money here. We come out ahead and that's all you need. It's the old fashioned, find some people you trust and work with them. And it can be done. You know, I love that. Uh, it is, it is, uh, but it's it's strange how many people uh, will basically try to make you feel bad for approaching things that way. That's the survival of the fittest. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those people who are giving that advice out are charging pretty are charging pretty big fees for their advice. So uh, I I don't know, but. Uh, it is it is very refreshing to hear somebody like you say it because 
you know, when I admit that I do it and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to do it, that people are, are willing to collaborate with me when it, when it has happened, but it's different when, you know, somebody like you says that this not only works now in your current business, but it's implemented all the time by major corporations. Yeah. And the smart ones do it. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. The world has changed. Um, the business models of yesterday are falling fast. Um, and the biggest thing I can leave everybody is the word community and collaboration. Those, okay, so that's two words, not one. Uh, community and collaboration are the key things that we're going to, that we need to pull into, that we need to dive into in order to make sure that we get to the other side. COVID has really opened up lots of uh, lots of eyes. It's caused people to think, well, how can we do this? And a lot of people are just wringing their hands and just waiting. But the ones who are clever are banking everything on community and collaboration. And since I've been doing community and collaboration all my life, and I've seen it at works, uh, there is no reason to fear community and collaboration. That is the new currency for the coming the coming decades. Well, I appreciate that. And I know that you said that you were going to leave people with two words. So um, before we finish, is there is there one more thing that you could leave people with, something uh, that they could do today, something simple, something to give them that little bit of a push, so to speak, or a little bit of a hand forward? Yeah. Go to the bathroom. Look at the person in the mirror. Look at the person in the mirror. Give that person the biggest smile you possibly can. Say to that person, I love you. And you are enough. Do that for one month. You will be amazed at what that does to your insides. You will be amazed at what messages that gives your heart and your soul. And you will be amazed at how strong you will feel inside of 30 days. Just go to the mirror, look at the person, smile, say, I love you. You are enough. Write it out and put notes all over saying, I love you. You are enough. 30 days, I promise you, you will be a completely different person. I love that. That's a wonderful exercise to leave people with. And to be honest, considering uh, what what do I do about you before we started, it's not the kind of wisdom I expected to get from you today. So uh, thanks for surprising me and for leaving my audience something that that uh, that magical because it will really work for them. And and I'll be surprised if it takes thirty days for it to work for them. And for those who don't have access to a mirror. Like she says, write it down, say it to yourself. Be sure that you remind yourself that you are good enough. And I appreciate that. So, uh, Charlene, I want to thank you for coming on What's Your Excuse? And I look forward to uh, hopefully being one of those people you collaborate down the road with. Uh, My pleasure, sir. My pleasure.
Okay, so we had another great conversation today, this time with Charlene Norman, who, again, you can find at bulletproofyourbusinessnow.com. And uh, I just love some of the things she talked about. There's so many things that are, quote, experts and coaches who will tell you not to do them, but in fact, they've worked for me, and now I find out they work for her, and they've worked for major corporations for years. So we learned about... uh, some people just needing a hand to get them to get them going, a little bit of a push. And it's important to find out by listening to them what it is that they're interested in, curious about, passionate about. Because if you can get them going on something they're already interested in, then that little push has a much better chance of, of propelling them to some big things for their lives, or, or at least to a very satisfied life as opposed to depression, uh, fear, and anxiety. So I love that. Loved about the collaborating with other people, uh, trading services, and then uh, even reaching out to pitch on bigger projects because you have this relationship with people you know will deliver on the things you are not good at, capable of, or just, just don't like doing. I need to work on that more myself. I actually feel challenged by Charlene to do more of that in my own business. And then the mirror exercise at the end, I tell you, that right there is worth the price of admission, as they used to say. And yeah, I know it doesn't cost anything to watch or listen, thank goodness. But I'm telling you, to have that kind of a mental, emotional, affirmation work, uh, you know, technique, tool, whatever you want to call it, come out of a woman who I expected to talk about building businesses and and being in the corporate world to have her do that. I was surprised and pleased. And really, I'm going to put that in the show notes to make sure y'all know to listen all the way to the end for that, because it is priceless in my opinion. All right. I want to thank you for uh, being here with us again, for continuing to support the podcast, because I know you have lots of opportunities, lots of things you can spend your time and energy on. Uh, Amazon, Netflix, other podcasts, or maybe even just going outside and enjoying nature. So I appreciate your time. I couldn't continue to do this without your support. And I do hope that you will uh, go out and take some small action for yourself today that will lead you towards that goal or dream that you have. So until next time, thank you and take care out there. You know a dream is like a river, ever-changing as it flows. And a dream is just a vessel that must follow where it goes. Trying to learn from what's behind, and never knowing what's in store.